Good morning and welcome to worship. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Please join me in praying the prayer of the day. Almighty, Almighty Creator and, and ever-living ever God, God, we, we worship, worship your glory, eternal, eternal three in one. one. And we, we praise your power, majestic one in three. three. Keep us steadfast in your faith, defend us in all adversity, and bring us at last into your presence, where you live in endless joy and love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Holy Gospel from the 28th chapter of Matthew, beginning at verse 16. Glory to you, O Lord. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when he saw them, when, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. The Gospel of our Lord. I invite you to join me as we pray together in our time of meditation together. Let's pray the Holy Spirit prayer. Come Holy Spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit instructs the hearts of the faithful, Grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Ah, this is Holy Trinity Sunday. It's kind of that transition Sunday in between last Sunday, which we celebrated as Pentecost Sunday, and now we're going to be moving into that longest season of the church year called Pentecost, or oftentimes known as the in-between time or in the meantime. It's the time of the life of the church, which we are now in, in our current generation of people in the life and the faith of the church. But the powers that be thought that there should be some kind of a recognition of this whole idea of the Trinitarian Godhead, I'm not sure who those guru powers that be are that come up with these decisions about whether we should have these types of Sundays, but this is historically known as Holy Trinity Sunday. Most preachers often are faced with the question, what do you do with this particular day? How should it or how, is, how can this day be celebrated with any sense of integrity, I guess for lack of a better term, because when you think about it, this particular topic in the life of the church, it's been debated and theologized for centuries, and it's an ongoing conversation. One of the things that I find interesting is that the actual word Trinity, the actual word Trinity, or the reference to Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it is never mentioned in the Bible. It's a term that theologians and, and scholars have come up with to describe the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Godhead. And even though the word Trinity is not specifically spoken in the Bible or even in, written in the Bible, both our gospel lesson today and our epistle lesson today, both of them 
use this Trinitarian reference to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as people of faith, we live into this mystery, this mysteries of God's revelation to the world. And it's a mystery, as I said just a few moments ago, that's been contemplated and, and debated for centuries. And there's nothing that I can say today that would even begin to fully explain or to dissect or comprehend this three-in-one Godhead. You just heard three different passages of Scripture. The one, an oh-so-familiar passage from the first chapter in Genesis, the creation story. And then we heard this final blessing that Paul extends to the people of Corinth in the second letter to them, where he extends to them this grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God and the love of the Holy Spirit. And then we've had this gospel reading where Jesus is commissioning his disciples to go into the world and to baptize both in, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And to not only baptize, but to teach all that Jesus has commanded them. There's a fourth passage that's usually assigned to every single Sunday of the month. And that particular fourth passage that is assigned to us comes from the Psalms. It almost always comes from the Psalm. And the particular passage that is, is assigned to this particular Sunday is from Psalm 8. Psalm 8, if I had to classify the psalms, I would say that, that Psalm 8 is in my top five psalms. It's a very familiar psalm. I'm not going to read all of it to you, but I'm going to give you little snippets from it. It's not a lengthy psalm. It's actually only about nine or ten verses long. But we also know that this psalm, it's attributed to David. As a matter of fact, I believe of 150 psalms, 73 of the psalms are attributed to David writing. And it's quite obvious to me that as you hear these words from Psalm 8, that David has also been one who has been contemplating this mystery, the mystery and the generosity and the graciousness of God. And so just listen to these words. Hear this the sense of contemplation of the mystery. He says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars you have set in their courses, what are mere mortals that you should be mindful of them, human beings that you should care for them? And yet you have made them little less than divine. With glory and honor you crown them. You have made them rule over the works of your hands. You put all things under their feet. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You can just hear, you can just hear the whole thought process of what David must have been feeling and sensing as he was writing these words. And as I hear this passage from Psalms, I hear a sense of wonderment and a sense of awe expressed. As David contemplates and expresses his gratitude and sense of humility at the very thought of God's intervention and revelation to us, us mere human beings. But also he expresses 
in, in that same psalm, he expresses this great sense of responsibility that God has given us to be the proper stewards of all that God has created. There's both a sense of mystery that is beyond our comprehension of God's graciousness and generosity to us, and at the same time, there's also this sense of humility of having this great responsibility of stewarding these many gifts from our Creator. As most of you know, I just spent uh, a week up in the Pacific Northwest, and uh, I was blessed. I was blessed to have, while I was there, I was blessed to have this sense of wonderment and awe, as David expresses in Psalm 8. We spent an entire week up around the Puget Sound area. That's what they call that area around Seattle. It's called the Puget Sound and the Olympic Peninsula is on the, just on the other side, on the ocean side of the sound. And one of the things that we did while we were there is that we drove, we took a ferry over to what they call Bainbridge Island. There's a series of islands over there that make up that portion of the Olympic Peninsula. And we drove our, our rental car all the way up to the northern tip of the peninsula to a little town called Port Townsend. It's a historic shipping community where they still, to this very day, are renowned, known for their building and repair of wooden ships. As a matter of fact, docked up against one of their piers, the old USS Washington, a sailing boat that was out there that we had a chance to tour. But we had an opportunity to go down to the beach and as we looked out, we looked out upon the vastness of the waters of the Straits of Juan de Fuca. As you looked out, you just sensed this vastness of the ocean that was out there that was before us. And you could smell the scents of the sea and the seaweed on the ground on the beach. And you could smell the ocean air just permeating your senses. And at the same time, I sat down on that very beach. I sat down on a piece of driftwood that I imagine perhaps had been floating in the ocean for hundreds of years. We don't really know, but I know that there was this large piece of driftwood that was there on the beach, and I sat on it. And as I sat there, I began to take some of the sand that was down before my feet, and I began to gather it into my hands. And it was very, very difficult to gather it into my hands because it was perhaps... I've been to several ocean beaches in my life, but believe it or not, this was one of those beaches where when I touched the sand, it was some of the most fine granulated sand I had ever touched in my life. It was smooth. It was like silk. It was flowing, and it was just super minute in size. Now, you have to understand, one of the reasons why we went to Seattle this past week is we went there to lay to rest Kim's dad's cremains while we were there. And as I was thinking about being there for that purpose, and as I was having those granulated sands flowing through my fingers, it occurred to me that someday that my earthly cremains would be sharing some of that very same fine consistency as those grains of sand. For me, at that particular moment in time, it was a truly humbling thought 
as not only I contemplated and thought about the vastness of creation and this wonderful scene around us with the vast ocean waters and the birds and all of the life that is, was there. And at the same time, I came in touch with my own finitude as I contemplated that someday I too would return to the earth and be nothing but dust. We ventured into the forests and we experienced the majestic heights of trees that had stood and grown for centuries. Some of the trees were so large it would take two or three people to literally hug it and to put your arms around it. Can you imagine how large of a tree that would be if there were three of me standing on a tree and hugging it to get our entire hands, arms around it? Can you just imagine that for a moment? Trees of every shape and size with unique bark, leaves, pine needles, colors, and textures. And as we walked through the floor of the forest, the vastness and the varieties of vegetation on the forest floor provided us with this sensory of abundance of sight and smell and touch. It was a combined sense of wonderment and yet at the same time humility and awe all at once. This place we call the earth, it has been provided to us by the divine creator and this human body that you and I have this privilege to live in right now, that we have been gifted and blessed to inhabit. It contains the very breath of God. Have you thought about that recently? The very breath of God. And at the same time, we also inhabit the very Spirit of God within us. God has called all of it. God has called all of it. Both creation and us mere humans, He has called all of it good. It has always been God's intent that we are to live in harmony with the created order, to empower and to liberate us to be in relationship with one another and with all of creation. And as part of God's intent, it has always been that we should be about the business of building one another up, of healing and forgiving and blessing, not only our relationships with one another, but also with the creation that we also are in communion with. It's always been God's intent that we are to be in relationship with creation and the Creator. And this vast diversity, when you heard that first lesson, that creation story read to us today, the one thing that I could not stop thinking about was that God in God's abundance, God was way out there beyond our human capabilities of God is one who thinks outside of a box and this vast diversity of the creation is a testimonial to us of God's truest intent for all of creation. And all we need to do is to look around and to see the intricacy of relational living even within the natural order of creation. And yet we also live in the reality of a broken world, a broken relationship. And maybe that's why we as human beings have 
done such a not-so-good job of managing and stewarding not only the earth, but also our very relationships that God had intended for us from the very beginning. What have we been so good at recently? Over so many years, not even just now, but over the past centuries, we as human beings have been so good at, at splitting things and, and dividing things. And yet that was never God's intent at all. It has never been God's intent for us to be divided or separated. We are to, be lived, we are to live together in unity, not only with human beings, with creation. I, want to think, I just want to share with you some words from Osvaldo Vena. He's a professor emeritus of Garrett Theological Seminary. And he's reflecting upon this oneness of the Godhead. He's talking about this sense of relationship that we see and experience through this gift of the triune God. And I think this is something that is worthy of some consideration. He says that the triune God is a relational Godhead. He says that Trinity speaks of diversity of the Godhead. He further writes, he says, that if Trinitarian formula has contributed anything to the understanding of God, it is that God is relational and diverse. And I think he is so right on with that. That everything that we see in creation, everything that we hear in Scripture about the creation story, everything that Jesus has brought to us through his living, through his life, death and resurrection, and the teachings that he brought us, they're all about being in relationship with one another, about building up one another, of lifting each other up, healing and blessing, and embracing, embracing diversity. So what do we do with this day, this day we call Trinity Sunday? This day in which we celebrate the relational and diverseness of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, I think what we need to do, not only with this day, with, with every single day of the rest of our lives, is that we just keep on living into this mystery of the Trinity. We keep living into this majesty and this wonderment of it all. And not only do we live into it, but that we embrace it and to be empowered and liberated by that graciousness and that generosity of the Trinitarian Godhead who calls us into relationship with all of creation and with all of humankind. And so with that, I leave you today again with these Paul's final words to the people of Corinth as he writes these words. He says, build one another up. Agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. And he bids them this final farewell with a final Trinitarian salutation. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. I invite you to pray now the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord look upon you with favor. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.